Good luck, my baby. <laughs> did you hear my music or did you just see me singing? No, you was just miming. Oh, yeah. I've lost my goatee. You have? I, I still have eyebrows, though. With my, the shape of my actual eyebrows, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm keeping those. But I've left them like a relatively normal colour. A normal-ish colour. Mm. That's a good colour. I'm, I'm going to take this picture to my eyebrow lady and be like, yeah. Okay. Not not quite this colour though. I'll, I'll keep my colour, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a bit like a khaki, a khaki poop colour. Um, so I'm like gonna just go make sure I don't run out of wine. Of course. Right. Um. So. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome to It Happens Everywhere. I hope this sound <laughs> is very pleasant for your ears. Very sensual, isn't it? It is very sensual. What's it called? It's it's a a s m n a s m r a m s r or something like that. Mm. BDSM, <laughs> sexy. Although I was on my karma. Was it last? Not- yeah, last night. I've got the calm, like the app calm. Oh, okay. No idea what you was going on about then, but right, yeah. And um, I, I tell you what, the stories on there. I don't get like three sentences in and I'm completely KO. Like it really works. Well, mm. if, if, if you struggle to sleep, I well recommend that app, Calm. Um, Answers welcome from Calm, by the way. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but um, I'll put one of those on because it was about the lost city of Atlantis. So I was like, it's meant to be these really soothing, sensual noises and the lost city of Atlantis. Who's reading it? Ah, uh, some Frenchman. Ooh. And I got probably 15 minutes into it and I thought, I can't listen to this shit anymore. <laughs> so you can't listen to this shit because it's shit or you can't listen to this shit, it's just making you so tired? No, it was just, it just didn't, it didn't get me off. As in to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast has took a turn today. We are not doing true well, crime anymore. This week's episode of... What turns Emma on? <laughs> what uh, gets Emma off? What gets Emma off is definitely not soothing sounds in the lost city of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, well, we've... St- oh, shit. We started strong. We always do. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, hang on, let me... Bring up this um, picture Hi. that I've saved, and uh, it kind of it made me laugh because because it's me, right? And I have a feeling it's not you. <laughs> Far from it, right? So, people who unpack their suitcase the day they return from a trip are serial killers. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You unpack. I can't leave that shit festering. I do not believe that for one second. I cannot leave that shit festering. I will then wash it and then repack the stuff I will only ever use on holiday. But then before I go on holiday, I then re-unpack it, wash it, and then repack it again. Oh yeah, no, I can't leave that shit festering. I cannot. 
Oh, and also all of my goodies tend to be nestled amongst all the clothes to protect them. So I have to get it all out anyway to get that stuff out. But no, I can't, I can't leave, I can't leave like half of fucking France festering in my case. That's disgusting. That's a shock. I, uh, I highly really assumed that you would just leave it till the next time you went on holiday. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. God, no, that's disgusting. That's right. No, no, holiday, I take fucking serious. Nothing else in my life I take serious but holidaying. Take serious. I also pack probably about a month before I go away. And then oh, I'm in the days months ahead. Yeah. And then the days running up to when I go, I unpack and then and repack then to make sure I've packed everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I even sometimes make a list. I don't need to justify making a holiday list to me. When we went to Paris, list. Barcelona, list. Download, list. There was okay. list. Yeah, 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 I have lists and then <laughs> I like to write the list, like handwrite it. But then before I go, I'll put it into my phone. So <laughs> because I'll be traveling around, I'll have to check that like I've repacked everything because I like to get all my stuff out of my bag and put it in places if there's any place to put things. Um, hand luggage is a whole different level of packing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. I. I'm very particular. I like things in, like, I have in my bag, <clears throat> the one that I always take on holiday for my hand luggage, I know where things are going to get put in that bag. So I know instantly, like, when I put my hand in, when I'm at the desk, I know where I'm going to pull my passport out from. And oh, yeah. I know where my headphone case is going to be, and I know where my iPad's going to be. And if they're not in that space, that's particular space that I've made for them I will freak the shit out um so do you know why I get drunk and go on holiday with you and why I very rarely go on holiday with Ashley why because I'm better because he point blank refuses to go on holiday with holiday Hitler you're not holiday Hitler he's holiday Hitler I just like to get to the airport three hours before my flight yes to check in when check-in opens not Fucking halfway through, not as it's no. about to close. You need as to it's have. Opens. You need to have your holiday beer, regardless of what time you get to the airport. And your I, chicken royale. And your chicken royale from Burger it's King. Hashtag, like insert Burger King meal here. But you have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do like going to Giraffe at Birmingham Airport. They do. They do good breakfast. They do like the big like no. breakfast burritos or like a. Big full English, but like a nice one, not like a Weatherspoonsy one. I like a Weatherspoons breakfast, but not big on breakfast food. <laughs> the reason I like to go to Weatherspoons for breakfast is because I can have a bowl of nachos or a chicken burger. Like there is no cut off time for food. You can go in at nine o'clock and order a chicken burger. Oh, Weatherspoons. Yeah. You can get a part of Stella for like three quid. What? Yeah, is it? I'll, is go, I'll go to Spoons to drink. But I would grab food at either Burger King or Giraffe, which is next to Burger King. But yeah, 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 full on. You get there three hours early. You make sure you're checked in. You know where you're going. You can have a couple of beers or wines or drinks, whatever, before you get on the plane. So you're nice and relaxed and you just enjoy the flight then. Enjoy. This week, before we even hit a story, life lesson number one, get to the airport as checking opens. Yes. Life lesson number two. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, I had another one. I had a really good one as well. I've been thinking. Ah, I'll come back to it. I've been thinking about life lessons as well. I had some good ones because you said you was going to do Eliza Lamb. So I've been thinking of my travel hacks that I have. 
and I was going to blast them out. I might still throw out a few because we've been talking about traveling. Yeah. Um, we decided we'd get to the airport as checking open. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then, okay, second life hack. Is your, hang on, is your story anything to do with traveling? Not potentially. Not potentially. <laughs> no, I said, uh, potentially. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, well, this is our introduction anyway. People call it. <laughs> Second life hack for traveling. Travel light as hell. And you can oh. pick up shit on the way. And third one, which is a big one, that when I was watching the Eliza Lamb documentary and the couple that were stopping in the hotel, they said they ran the water in the morning. Oh, no, not this again. (laughs) Yes, this again. They said it was running brown, so they decided to have a shower. They decided to brush their teeth. They decided to drink the water. And then they said, hmm, tastes a bit weird. Okay, people, if if you run your taps... Regardless of which country you're in, if you, you there, they was in LA, they was in LA, and you expect it to be nice water. I was in LA. I wouldn't drink the taps from a hotel just in general. Um, but, but if the water runs brown, regardless of where you are, you don't drink it, do you? That enough. Okay. That yeah. Great life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, moving on. No, I had, I had to... no, no, yeah, 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 okay, that's that's cool, right? Anywho, okay, um, yes, let's get on. This is it happens everywhere, as you can tell from the awesome, awesome introduction. <laughs> um, had nothing to do with anything to do with the podcast, no, not at all. This is just our general conversation, but you're going to hear all of it. Um, <laughs> and Emma's story this week is apparently a twist and turn fuck up fuckery yeah. of a story. So, so don't don't at me this week, right? Because okay, sorry, can I just quickly ask a question? Yeah. I don't need this is is like new terminology for me. And as I said before, I'm new to TikTok and I have to Google words that I see in comments or what people put as their captions in the video. And you said to me last week, don't at me, bro. You just said to me then, don't at me. What is don't at me mean? What Uh, no, no, this this week you won't at me, but other people might. So I'm just saying don't at me. It's like don't don't come for me. Like I've just don't just don't, right? Okay. I've done my best. There is so much backstory to this story. I have done my best to cover as much as humanely possible. Okay. Okay. Uh, There's so many sort of different versions. Okay. I just, I've I've tried. Feel free to come with like on, on the TikTok and the Instagram and the Twitter. Feel free to add your own bits that you know of, or correct me if I'm wrong. But I have researched a lot of websites and a lot of stories. And by the end of last night, I was just in tears because I was sick of looking at my laptop. <laughs> so, okay, okay, cool. So that's um, the meaning of "don't at me, bro." I get it. Don't at me, bro. I'm so don't down me. with it. <laughs> I'll, I'll drag you kicking and screaming into the 21st century. I'm getting there slowly. Um, this week, I've, I've, I've literally written my own intro as well. I am so 
I, I literally did everything I could to not have to research this story yesterday. So I wrote a paragraph of intro. <laughs> so this week, I'm taking us back to Australia. Oh, okay. As I'm dreaming of a sunny and warmer climate in the midst of all this snow and misery we are enduring. And I don't think that's just us because I have friends in Arkansas, which I cannot just say Arkansas. I have to say Arkansas. I say with the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a friend somewhere else. He, he, I know he's gone to, um, Boston today and he's been to, he's like quite close to Boston like Massachusetts and he's quite close to New York and he's not from either of Vermont he lives in Vermont oh, Vermont so, um, beautiful and I was speaking to a couple of people who are in Texas and they've had a fuck ton of snow as well so I know that's not just us no like the world seen, is drowning in snow yeah I've seen Texas and sending them all the hope that they can get because I've seen some fucked up stuff happening there right now Imagine Good luck to everyone over there. But yeah, so we're, we're portraying your mind to winter in Australia, which is actually their summer. Although in my last episode, I think I said New South Wales more than anyone human has ever said in the entirety of their lifetime. So instead, I'm taking us down to Adelaide. So on an Adelaide beach, two people were taking a stroll along the Summerton Beach around 7pm on the 30th of November, 1948. So we're going back to the olden days as well. The good olden days. That's like 80 years ago. 70. 70. Yeah, you said 48, 70 years ago. 30, that was yeah. quick maths for me. That was super fast. Hot maths. Hot <laughs> They were strolling along the beach toward the suburb of Glenelg when they happened across a man who was laying the sand, legs outstretched with his feet crossed, his head resting against the sea well. I'm not entirely sure what a sea well is, but his head was resting against it. Okay. <clears throat> they reported to have seen him stretch out his right arm and drop it limply down beside him. Mm-hmm. You Googling sea well? Yes. <laughs> I think I know what it is, but I wanted to check before I said anything. Uh, it's a sea well bed and breakfast in Coventry. <laughs> oh, nice. There doesn't seem to be much sea in Coventry, but sure. This is just saying a sea wall or a sea well. A sea well. Sea well. The name sea well first arose amongst the Anglo-Saxon tribes of Britain. (laughs) It is derived from their having lived in the county of Worcester. Sea well is a typographic surname, which was given to a person who resides near a physical feature such as a hill, stream, church or type of tree. His head was resting against some. So another couple (laughs) reported seeing the same man between 7.30 and 8pm, so it's about half an hour later. Mm -hmm. But they also reported that for the half an hour that the man was in view, they hadn't seen him move, although they did think at some point his position position had changed. (laughs) They remembered seeing the man surrounded by mosquitoes and the, the man from the couple joked that he must be dead to the world to not have been bothered by them as he didn't seem to notice the irritating bugs at all. Like how descriptive I am to start with and then in the end it's just like a yeah, misunderstanding. Towards the end it's just like, yes, yeah, some guy died. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> Don't, at me. Don't at me. Right. Bro. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> um, but the next morning the man was still there and it became apparent that the man was in fact dead. Dum, dum, dum. 
Oh, that's not the only dum dum dum. Oh, okay, I'll save them all. But I just felt like that needed it then. Oh no! Insert dum dum dums as 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 needed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the man was reported to have looked around forty to forty-five. He was well dressed in a white shirt, a red, white, and blue tie, brown trousers, a brown knitted jumper, a fashionable at the time. I feel the need to um, put at the time because it was a grey and brown double-breasted jacket, which I just feel maybe not so much right now. Socks and shoes. He was clean-shaven and was of an athletic build with grey eyes and blonde ginger or, you know, strawberry blonde hair that was slightly greying around the temples. He was found with an unlit cigarette in his mouth. There was no apparent evidence of foul play and it appeared that the man had committed suicide. Appeared that he had committed suicide. So was there anything on him to suspect that? Well, shall we five minutes in? So I'm guessing... (laughs) <laughs> There's more to this story <laughs> like you, you stopped I was like, do you want me to ask a question about this? It was the end of my paragraph Okay it just um, <laughs> I will say before people at me That there are sort of <laughs> I can't I'm stop It's out of you in this podcast Don't at me <laughs> There are sort of contrasting sort of reports That <clears throat> the unlit cigarette was in his mouth Or on his collar But it was there But we'll come back to that. So some unusual things that were noted about the man's appearance were that his clothes were not the norm in Australia at the time. His clothes were very American in fashion. He was also found without a hat, which was very unusual for the late 40s, sort of turn 50s era. He was found with no wallet or identification and all of the labels had been cut out of his clothing. This is why they thought he'd committed suicide because there was just nothing on Oh, I, I know something about the whole tag thing in clothes. Oh, no, no, save it because I've got a list of about, I mean, I've got a list of questions at the end that, okay. that will take 20 minutes. But um, this kind of sounds like D.B. Cooper, even though he oh had black hair. Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Okay, so an autopsy was carried out and the man's time of death was this estimated to have been around 2am on the 1st of December 1948. The man's spleen was discovered to have been unusually enlarged, so roughly three times the size of a normal spleen. I know what a spleen is. I think, is it something like like your pancreas? Is it like one of them kind of like weird things that you can have taken out and you can still survive? Not entirely sure, but it was big. It it was a lot bigger than it should have been. Yeah. His pupils were noted to be smaller than average. It was also noted that the man's last meal was a pasty that he had eaten around four hours before his death. (laughs) If I was going to commit suicide, I was going to give myself a last meal. I don't think a pasty would even enter as a slight possibility. No, it wouldn't for me either. Um, tests did not show any trace of any poison or drugs in the man's system, although the coroner concluded that he did not think that the death could have been natural. Other th- <laughs> this really made me giggle. I, sh- I shouldn't laugh because the man is dead. But other than the enlarged spleen, the man was described as healthy and dead. Healthy and dead. <laughs> it's like the most two contradicting things ever. <laughs> So, like, he had his enlarged spleen and there are reports that he had blood in his liver and stuff, but they think that this was caused by whatever killed him, not 
that he generally had blood in his liver and there was other internal bleeding. And he was a smoker, but at that point in time, everyone was a smoker. So this man was healthy and dead. (laughs) The man's hands and fingers showed no signs of manual labour and his calf muscles weren't found to be very defined and athletic and his bigger little toes met in a wedge shape. Both his calf muscles and foot shape were consistent with one who may have worn heels or boots or perhaps even a ballet dancer. Oh, okay, interesting. But bench that. That's going to come back. But for now, we're leaving it, so we're benching that. Okay. It was also noted, this is also benchable, that the man had two very rare distinguishable features. So, firstly, the man was missing his lateral incisors. I can't, I can't get away from my dentistry. You can't. So, he had his two front teeth, and then his next two teeth, which are normally uh, your next two teeth, weren't there. And his canine teeth, so his fang teeth, were like next to his front teeth, but with no oh. gap. There was no gap there. So, he had what is called a hypodontia. So, this is something that is found in 2% of the population. It's very, very rare. Um, but also his ears were quite different to the norm as well. So his upper ear hollow, so like here, mm. and his lower ear hollow were like the wrong way around. So your upper, you know, your upper ear hollow is quite shallow, and then yeah. you where your ear hole is is quite deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the other way around. So his upper ear hollow was quite deep, and his. Ooh. Bottom ear hollow is quite shallow. And this apparently is only found in 1% to 2% of all Caucasian population. So both of these things individually are really quite rare. Yeah, yeah. So for the man to have both was a very, very unique thing. Mm-hmm. So obviously identifying him would be pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that a little segue. Inside his pockets, police found an unused train ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, which I think was a beach nearby. Mm-hmm. A bus ticket from Adelaide, but it's unsure whether this was actually used or not, whether he bought it and put it in his pocket or bought it, used it and not. Yeah. Um, he had a narrow aluminum. Aluminum. Comb. An open pack of juicy, juicy fruit gum, a cigarette packet. Um, some reports say packet, some reports say like a cigarette tin. Okay, yeah, yeah. But it was like a branded packet slash tin. Mm-hmm. But they were filled with a far more expensive brand of cigarettes. So the cigarettes in the tin slash packet weren't the cigarettes of the tin slash packet. Right. And there was also an opened, almost empty box of matches. The man's fingerprints were taken and run through nationwide Australian databases, but there was no match found. They were then shared across the English-speaking world, so like America, England, Scotland, all that shazam, and still nothing. But it was shared, obviously, because there was no signs of the man being Australian. His clothing and hairstyle were both quite american Typical fashion at yeah. the time. The comb found in his pocket was US manufactured and the juicy fruit gum was very popular in America at the time, but practically unheard of in Australia. Oh, okay. Um, but still nothing came up. The identity of the man was a mystery. Dental records were no match to anyone in Australia, anyone in Australia 
either, which you'd think they'd flag up. Like, he's got this really rare... Yeah. ...missing teeth, Shazam. Um, the hopes of many relatives of missing people in Australia were raised and then dashed once more when the man turned out to not be their loved one. So people were brought in to see the body, like, from all around. Yeah. Like, families of missing people and such like, and still... Nothing. Not a bean. As the man had this unused train ticket in his pocket, I'm noticing a very fine bit of police work for the first time in, well, you know, since October of doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And they decided to check the train station for any luggage that the man may have checked for his onward journey. Mm. And they appeared to strike lucky. So there was a brown leather suitcase that had been checked in there on the day that the man was first sighted on the beach, but its label was removed. So you are going to come back to that later. I am, yes. Inside, there were a pair of pyjamas, a pair of slippers, underpants, a dressing gown, things like shaving things, so like shaving cream, razor, etc. a stenciling brush. I didn't look into it because I was already brain hurting at this point. <laughs> A pair of scissors with sharpened points, a pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, a table knife cut down to a short, sharp, short, sharp instrument, and an electrician's screwdriver. I don't know how an electrician's screwdriver differs from a normal screwdriver, but it does. There was also a reel of orange thread. This thread was identical to the thread that had been used to repair the pocket of the trousers that the man had been found in. It was also reported that there were three items of clothing found in the case that had tags inside them. And the tag either said Keen, K-E-A-N, or T-Keen, as in K-E-A-N-E. So variants of this name were compared to shipping and immigration records, but showed up nothing. No missing person with this name or similar name was deemed a match and detectives were baffled at this mystery man. Who was he? I'm still building suspense here. Who was he? Soon wears off. The writing gets worse. Don't worry about it, guys. Um, (laughs) If it can. It's implied that it was decent in the first place. (laughs) Bench that as well. Four months after the discovery of the body, John Cleland, who was... Someone, I didn't write his job title. I'd already given. I clearly had already given up at this point. Was called in to re-examine the corpse and his belongings. Oh, shut up! Shut up! Because I've got loads left, and this is a fucking amazing story. It's so good. So John Cleland, mystery man of some profession, was called in to re-examine the corpse and his belongings, but showed up nothing once more, except for one baffling clue. There was a small pocket sewn into the waistband of the man's trousers. So some may describe it, and it has been described as a secret pocket. Ooh, I like a secret pocket. Inside this pocket, they found a tightly rolled up scrap of paper. When they opened it up, the paper bore just two words, typed in an elaborate font. Tamam should. I'm really sorry. Tamam should. I think that's how it's should, maybe. Tamam should. Should. I'm sorry. My my, my Persian isn't great. (laughs) Damn it. I don't often use my Persian. (laughs) So um, as my apologies suggest, these words were recognised as Persian. And it was suggested that they came from a book of poetry called The Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. 
Again, I apologise. My Persian's awful. But Rabbi out of Omar Khayyam. So the book had been written in the 12th century and a much-loved translated version by Edward Fitzgerald had become very popular in Australia during the war. Hmm. Cool. There were a variety of different editions of this book, and the phrase Tamam Shud were the last words printed in most English versions of the book. But despite hunting through libraries, publishers, and bookshops, no copy was found to match the elaborate type of the scrap found in the mysterious man's pocket. Mm-hmm. So the, tr- the phrase Tamam Shud, Shud, Shud. Translated from Persian means it is ended. Oh. So the discovery of this scrap once again puzzled police. Was this an indication of the man's intended suicide, like a kind of suicide note? Yeah. yeah. It is ended. But they were still no closer to identifying the man. So... At this point, so it was like four months after the man had died, the body was beginning to decompose, so the man's corpse was embalmed, but a cast was taken of his head and torso, like upper torso, yeah, just in case, because it was still like a massive mystery. And the man was buried, sealed under a concrete slab in a plot of dry land. This plot was specifically chosen in case of any future need to exhume. Hmm. So on the 23rd of July, 1948, eight months after the mystery man's body had been found, a man walked into Adelaide's detective office with another li- oh, another puzzling piece to the mystery. Okay. Early in December, shortly after the mystery man was discovered, this man had taken a drive with his brother-in-law in his car that he normally kept parked near Somerton Beach, which is where our man was found. Yeah. And a copy of the <laughs> Rubiat of Omar Khayyam was found on the floor of the car by the man's brother-in-law. But each of the men sort of like, I don't, I mean, there were men, no offence to any men listening, but didn't really talk about it because, yeah. and they just assumed that the book belonged to the other one. Yeah. So the book was just put into the glove box and left there. And it wasn't until they'd seen a newspaper article about the mystery man and the paper scrap found on its body that they decided to take a closer look at their copy Mm. that they'd kept in the car. And they discovered that the final page of the book, the one that would have stated those two ominous words, Tamam Shrud, had been removed. Ooh. The minute they realised this, the man had taken the book directly to the police um, but neither of these men have ever formally been identified by the police so I'm pretty sure that they were just here's this book yeah Hi. Um, detectives took a closer look at this copy of the book, it was a first edition Ooh. and on the rear cover they found two clues to the case finally, I put finally finally <laughs> I'm really milking it now. Um, <laughs> could this be what they needed to identify the mystery man and learn what had happened to him? So they found a series of letters written in capitals. No clear words were found. So was this a code? <laughs> I'd really love that. I was two gins in at this point because I put expert code breaky people <laughs> were brought in to look at this. The wartime Cody breakies. Yeah, the wartime Cody breakies were brought in to look at this, but to this day the code's never been cracked. So there's just not enough to go on. So like, so 
I mean, people can crack codes and people are very clever, but people have a lot of codes to go on. And Again, I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to write that fucker down. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, yeah, no clues or links leading to a positive decoding of this message. But also on the same page, I'm, I'm getting ready because there's a da-da-da. Oh, okay, go on, go on. But also on the same page, there was a phone number. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> I hope my little drum was taken in then because that sounded back here. <laughs> so the number was unlisted, but was discovered to belong to a young nurse who coincidentally lived just yards from where the man's body had been found. Oh. So this young woman, known only as Justin. Justin? J E S T Y N. Oh, cool. Which was her nickname. Uh, that sentence is just not English. So this woman, known only as Justin, her nickname, wasn't formally identified at this time. I put what and I mean at this time. Wasn't formally identified by the police. But the police went to visit this woman and they asked her about the Rubaiyat of Oman Kayam. And what did she know? Did she know anything about it? And this lady stated that this was her favourite book of poetry. Um, she used to have a copy, but she had once given her copy to a man that she knew called Alfred Boxall during the war. Like she'd known him during the war, gave him this book. Ooh, okay. Um, she gave this information very reluctantly, but perhaps this was because she was recently dating a new man. So right. she had a young son at the time. And she just started dating a new man who she would later go on to marry, but this man wasn't the boy's father. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again at this time was a bit shock horror. Um so when police questioned her further, she recalled her neighbours telling her that around the time that the man was found, an unknown man to them, like the neighbours, had called around asking for her, but she'd been out. They also showed her the cast of the dead man's head. The woman looked aghast, taken aback, and looked like she was about to faint, mm-hmm. but denied all knowledge of ever knowing the man. Bullshit. But with all this information that the police had been given by Justin, uh, they'd got a solid clue. Was the mystery man Alfred Boxall? Mm. He was the one that she'd given her copy of the Robert to. Um, he'd been found with a piece of paper from the Rubiat in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so investigations led to the discovery that Boxall was indeed live and well and living. I've read reports of Sydney, but I've also read reports that he was living in... Miso Files! Yeah! <laughs> yes! Had to get it in somewhere. And he still had the copy of the Rubiat that Justin had given him. And she'd re- written a note to him in there. It was quite obviously the copy that she had given to him. So their most positive lead so far was... One thing was apparent, though. Judging by her reaction, it was almost certain that Justin knew the mystery man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Other theories around that time, including that the man could possibly be a spy, Benches as well, we are going to come back to this, but is that what the code was about in the copy of the Rubiat that was handed to the police? Um, also, a few hundred miles from Adelaide, which seems a lot, but this is Australia, a few hundred miles is 
fucking nothing. It's a stroll yeah. around to the corner shop for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a British rocket testing factory at Woomera, which at the time was one of the most secret bases in the world. During the Cold War, Alfred Buxall, so the man who Justin knew, gave her a copy of the Rubaiatsu. He worked as worked in intelligence, and our mystery man was found at the onset of the Cold War. So were the two men acquainted? There was also, it was sort of rumoured that maybe the man was poisoned via his cigarettes, and would this explain why the more expensive brand of cigarettes was found in the much cheaper brand's package in the man's pocket? Possible. Years later, in 1959, so... What's that? It was 48, weren't it, when he was 11, So 11, 11 years. An unid- unidentified witness stated seeing... Now, I don't know how anyone can remember shit like this 11 years on because I genuinely don't remember what I did yesterday, but years later in 1959, an unidentified witness stated seeing a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulder near the water's edge where the mystery man was found. Mm. But it has never been confirmed. So we will never know. So jump forward 50 years. Professor Derek Abbott in March 2009. So he was a professor at the University of Adelaide and he decided to sort of get a team together and attempt to solve this mystery case. In 2010, Abbott happened across a picture of Robin Thompson now, we'll get on to this a little bit later, but Justin was actually Jessica Thompson. Right. Robin Thompson was her young boy from the story earlier. Yeah. And it's believed that, like, obviously, this he wasn't the son of the man that was living with her at the time of the police visit, so it was believed this man was either the son of Alfred Boxall, who was a... Rubaiyat man, yeah. or perhaps could he be the son of the Somerton man? And what Abbott found when he found this picture of Robin shocked him. Not only did Robin bear a striking resemblance to our mystery man, he was also missing his lateral incisors and his, and his, ears, ear, and his ears were exactly the same as well. So it could be a coincidence, like coinkadinkies are of our life, everyday are- life. But that's a big coinkydinky. You part- don't you don't know how big a coinkydinky this is. So yeah. the chances of this being a coinkydinky are yeah. between one in ten million and one in twenty million. Yeah, exactly. Gets better. Also, Robin was a ballet dancer mm. in the Australian ballet, so the Australian National Ballet. Um, so do you remember our mystery man's defined calves and oddly pointed feet? I do. Were his feet that shape from years of ballet and point shoes, dancing on points? Mm. It very well could have been. So it's thought around the time that the mystery man died, Robin would have been about 16 months, meaning he would have had to have been conceived before Justin had even met her later husband. So could he have been the son of our mystery man? That's the first thing I thought of. In 2011, Derek Abbott put forward a case for the body of the Somerton man to be exhumed. But this was declined by Attorney General John Rao, stating that there needs to be public interest reasons that go well beyond broad scientific interest or public curiosity. Hmm. Which I, I get, like... Yeah. 
I mean, everyone wants to know what happened to this man and who he was and whatever. But I mean, the p- police do have better things to be doing with their time. Yeah. If there's current there and now murders going on, kind of probably should focus on them. It is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is later revealed that Justin was actually Jessica Ellen Joe Thompson. She died in 2007. Um, in 2013, her daughter Kate, who was then born from like the later husband yeah. that Justin had, um, went on 60 Minutes Australia um, and revealed that Kate thought that her mum did indeed know the mystery man. It also stated that she thought her mother may perhaps also have been a spy or been affiliated with some a spy or spies, yeah. you know, like they yeah. thought our mystery man was a spy. Um, so her mother spoke Russian but wouldn't tell her daughter how or why she knew it. And obviously, if you speak Russian, you're a spy. Like That's like common known facts. Especially that time during like, <laughs> the Cold War and World Wars. She also taught English to foreigners, which, again, I don't, I, I don't get why teaching English to, follow, to foreigners makes you a spy, but her daughter said that this gave her a clue. And also she had a keen interest in communism. Okay. <laughs> so... Also on this 60 Minutes Australia appeared Robin's widow, so this son of Justin, his widow, Roma Egan, and their daughter, Rachel Egan, stated that they too believe that Robin was most likely the son of the mysterious Somerton Beach man. Ooh. And then I've got a cute little interject here because who needs who, who doesn't need a bit of cuteness in their life? Of course. It was reported in California Sunday in 2015 that Abbott, so the man that started up this investigation, mm-hmm. married Rachel, Robin's daughter, in 2010. Oh, That's cute, isn't it? That's that is cute. It's cute. Kind of weird, but cute. In 2017, in December, Abbott revealed that on the plaster casts that was taken of the man's head and upper torso... Three excellent hairs have been found, which would be perfect for DNA analysis. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, God, I've I've just realised I've got another word I can't say. In February 2018, the University of Adelaide team analysed a DNA sample from the hairs of the Somerton man, and they found that he and his mother, Mm. I'm presuming that it's a strong connection because they obviously didn't have his mother's DNA, because I don't know who his mother is. But True, yeah. He and his, his mother both belong to Halop Group H. I'm really sorry, I'm not science-y. Oh, give me numbers, I'll work magic. Give me science, I haven't got a fucking clue. Halop Group H, it's like a group of DNA. Never heard of that one. Um, And this is something that is only possessed by 1% of Europeans. Europeans, oh, okay. Again, I don't know why it was mentioned Europeans because they tested it in Australia and they think the man was probably um, American, but, but again, in fact, it's only possessed by 1% of Europeans. He could have been born in Europe, moved to America and died in Australia. So that was early 2018. October 2019, it was agreed by Attorney General Vicky Chapman that the Somerton man's body could be exhumed. He once again 
Uh, this was after Abbott had once again put forward a case for the mystery man's body to be exhumed and DNA would be compared with a potential granddaughter sample. Now, I'm thinking that the potential granddaughter is more than likely the lady, like the Rachel that he'd married. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this brings me to the end of my episode. Oh. So I've put forward the following questions to you all. <gasps> Exciting. Who was the mystery Somerton man? What relevance is the rubbiat of Omar Khayyam to the case? Did this man know Justin? Was he the man that visited Justin? Mm. Was he Robin's father? He quite obviously wasn't local. He had lots of tickets for travel. He wasn't dressed. He didn't have possessions of a typical Australian man. Where was he from? What was he doing around the Somerton Beach area? Mm-hmm. Did he commit suicide? Did he commit suicide because of unrequited love with Justin? Did he commit suicide because he was unwell and perhaps terminal? Like he had an enlarged spleen, had he been given some sort of diagnosis and prognosis and wanted to go out on his terms? Mm-hmm. If he did commit suicide, how did he do it? There was no evidence of foul play. There were no cuts. There were no bruises. There were no signs of poison in his body. Was he murdered? If he was murdered, why? Was he, in fact, a spy? If the reports of him being placed on the beach are true, who was the man that placed him there? Did this man kill him? Did this man simply find him nearby, think he was drunk, maybe move him somewhere he thought was safer until he regained consciousness? Did Justin murder him? Oh, that's a bit... Was it perhaps more far-fetched? Justin's new partner heard about the visit Discovered the past between him and he killed him. Mm. I mean, je- jealousy gets us a lot in our cases. It doesn't, but that one doesn't sit with me at all. Um, regardless of whether it was murder or suicide, what actually killed him? If he was poisoned slash poisoned himself, what poison was used? Because nothing was found in his system. He was tested for poisons. What killed him? And most important question of all, why can I not stop thinking about this case? <laughs> Why? Why? So I will obviously keep everyone updated as the body is exhumed and we hear about things and hopefully yeah. soon the mystery will be at least part solved, if not fully solved. Although, even if this man is proved to have been the father of Robin Thompson, his identity is still going to remain unknown. Yeah, exactly. It's, you're not going to, there's going to be no answers. And... His cause of death will still remain unknown. Yeah. So will this case ever be solved? I don't think it will. It's one of them. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for a final. Dum dum dum. I'll edit that so that's like right at the end of whatever. Thanks. I quite like that one. It's a good one. I think it will never get solved because. One, he's been embalmed, so pretty much everything in his body is gone inside of him now, so you won't be able to figure anything out that way. Two, you're never going to find his identity. And three, it's just going to be impossible to know anything. I have been listening to a lot of Red Handed. No, I haven't. Well, I have, but that's not where I was going. (laughs) Okay. I've been listening to a lot of Crime Junkie. And in America, no, I don't know if they're doing it anywhere else, but obviously they're based in America, so I'm hearing a lot of it in America. Mm -hmm. They're using websites like Ancestry 
Yeah. You know, you can do the ancestry DNA. Yeah. And they're actually solving a lot of crimes that way because if they've got no sort of, they can run DNA against the records kept there. Mm. And they may not get a match, but there was one case where they didn't get a match, but they got like a close match, like a sibling of whoever it was that had killed this person. So I'm thinking maybe if they do get the DNA, could they possibly run it against that? Possibly. Because people family people's family trees go on. And obviously if someone from America's gone over to Australia or gone to war and just not come back and been presumed dead, yeah. they're still gonna be on family trees. They're just gonna be presumed dead. Yeah, so could he possibly the... show up there, maybe? May we get it that way? Possibly, yeah, because it's gonna be in the war records, isn't it? So his cause of death, I don't think we're ever going to know. I think chances are he either ingested poison and it was just not one that they picked up or I did quite like the poison cigarettes. I, as soon as you started talking about this and when you talked about the um, the tags on the taking off of his clothes, um, I instantly remembered another case uh, that I was looking into before about a woman, uh, I think she was in in Sweden, I think it was, uh, in the 90s. She checked into the hotel and uh, she was found dead in a hotel room, apparently with a gunshot wound. But the gunshot wound wasn't level to, like, how she would be able to shoot herself. I can't remember where the gunshot wound was now. I think it was the front of her head or something. And they said, like, at that angle, she wouldn't have been able to kill us to do it. Yeah. And where the gun was found, they said the gun wouldn't have fell in that position. And where the blood splatter was, there wasn't where there was supposed to be blood splatter. There wasn't blood splatter. Um, but all of her clothes, all the tags were removed. <laughs> she had no identity, absolutely nothing. And when tags are removed from clothes, it's because they're some sort of government spy. Okay. Because they remove the tags on clothes, so they can't, so people can't figure out where they've shopped, so where they would be from. Mm. That was a big thing for me. And then I thought if he's a government spy or even an army spy, because he said it's close to like the Cold War and all that stuff and communism com- communism, and all that stuff, um, it could have been a poison on the cigarette. And their government, they can get away with whatever they want. They've got poisons that can't be detected, I guarantee. One of the other things that flagged up in my little tiny brain was this man was reported to have been found with this cigarette in his mouth or on his collar. Either way. Not lit. Exactly. You're not just going to suddenly drop dead. It's something on the end, on the tip of the cigarette. But also, cigarettes are not heavy. And I know that it's Australia in the height of their summer, but a small breeze would blow a cigarette away. Yeah. So especially if it was on his collar, how? Because if it's reported that he was in the same position he was as he was in eight o'clock on the night before, how has that cigarette stayed in the same place? Like how is oh. it not blown away? Well, if he's got like a jacket on, it could could have got like caught just on the collar or something, and it can't necessarily blow. But also, there are a couple of linked cases or cases that could be linked, similar cases. Mm -hmm. So there was one man who was found in Mossman, which is... New South Wales. 
Yes. Hey. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this. I, oh, fuck, I've just lost my case. He was found dead three years before the Somerton Man. He was a Singaporean man called George Marshall. He was born Joseph Saul Hay Marshall, and he was found dead in Ashton Park, Mazman, which is New South Wales, my favourite. And he was... His death was believed to be suicide by poisoning, and he was found with a copy of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam on his chest. Interesting. And yet also with that book and with the woman who supposedly gave him that book and she totally recognised his face. Mm. What if she had, she knew, she knew him, slept with him, found out she was pregnant. He then said he's got to go off and do some government spying. And she gives him this book with the note in, uh, in her handwriting as like, you know, like a, a good look, remember me sort of thing. Yeah. He goes off, does his mission, meets the, another spy who is the guy that she then marries and he gives him that book, right? So he comes back home, them two get married, fall in love because he, the other guy tells her that he's dead, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Listen, he comes home, tries to go to a house sees that there's another person living there or he finds out that this other guy's living with him with her sorry purchases another copy of this book because it's it's what she gave him and then he tops himself somehow and the little rolled up note is like his suicide note but love to her sort of thing that's a good point. I'm liking that. I just <laughs> cracked that. Theory, except for the fact that the man she gave her a copy to and the man she ended up marrying were two different people. So this man that she gave her a copy to was just someone she knew in the war. She gave her a copy to like, oh, here you go, remember me. And he fucked off and went and they thought that this mystery man was him until they found him. Okay, well, he could have met him in the war. <laughs> and he passed the book on and then passed the book on. That shit happens. Yeah. Like um, like that guy could have been dying on the field and as like a last wish, he gives him the book and he's like, dude, find my one true love. Please don't at me, bro, but find my one true love. <laughs> Hands him the book and then the whole theory that I just said mixes into it. But this dude still had his copy, so it would have had to have been a separate copy. But, yeah, I mean, I'd say stranger things have happened, but, mm. yeah. Good. But also you, you're saying about um, the code breakers and yeah. all that, and the code hasn't been broken yet. Well, do you know anything about the Zodiac Killer? No. No, yes. Badly. So he or she uh, was a serial killer in the 60s. 60s, I believe, um, in North California or something. Um, Anyway, (laughs) no one knew who this killer was and they would prey on, like, teenagers or younger couples, younger people, and they started writing coded notes to the newspaper and saying, you've got to publish this on, like, the first page of your newspaper, otherwise I'm going to kill five people tonight. And the newspaper would publish them but no one would be able to crack the codes. 
and no one did until last year. Just a group of people. They, I think they studied like code breaking and code messages and all that kind of stuff. But literally last year, they were studying all the Zodiac Killer ones and they cracked them, cracked all the code. So they figured out what they was actually writing to the papers, which was really interesting if you're ever into that case. I think it's a wicked case, that one is. Um, but But that was from the 60s. So it's still possible that the code can be broken. I think he could. And I found I out know. what well, a seawell is. I found out what a seawell is. What's a seawell? It's just like a beach hut. Oh. Uh, so he was just was, on the beach. That was an anticlimax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that exciting. But I'm going to draw us to an abrupt close and leave you guys. You can message us what you think your theories are you can message us anything extra that you know but as i said i read through five six seven eight nine million articles yesterday and i was seeing a trickle by the end of it so i may have missed stuff but that's pretty much all of what i got um so you can message us on the instagram at it dot happens everywhere don't forget the dot on the TikTok at it dot happens everywhere, and on the Twitter at it happens every one. The number one. Of course. Twitter's a douchebag, and we'll last pick our at. Of course. So don't at us. Ask twi- at Twitter. Yo. Uh, yo. Um. So yeah, I am gonna throw it over to Michelle for. The most favourite segment, which is Florida Man. Florida, Florida. Where was where was I the other day? And that came on, and I was like, I can know this song. There <laughs> <laughs> was probably belt in the eye. Literally, the only time we ever heard it was when we went to go when we went to the oh, nights at the bear. It weren't that one. It was that hot dog jumping frog. Yeah, that one. I think it might have been on the mass thing. I still don't know, by the way. So no spoilers. Um, I've never watched watched an episode of it in my life, so I wouldn't tell you what I knew of that show anyway. So good. So good. I I do know who won it because work ruins my life, but I don't know who any of the other people are, although I know. I know, but I don't actually know. So... Florida Man. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'm just going to talk about Florida Man right now. Um, so my Florida Man headline is Florida Man breaks into ex-girlfriend's home and shits on all of her belongings. Just that. That's it. You get on board with that. I, I couldn't. But <laughs> we're on two different levels, so... I do Take that know as your girl. I do know of a girl. I'm not friends with her now. You'll be glad to know. Mm. But her boyfriend had his own flat and he cheated on her. Mm. And she had a key to his flat because, you know, she was his girlfriend. And she went in while he was at work and she put, she got a tin of tuna and she unpicked the seam of his curtains and put tuna inside of his curtains and then redid the seam. And she also put prawns under his floorboards. 
under his floorboards was she like ripped up the carpet and then you know you get like loose floorboards when you've got like yeah you've got like wood flooring yeah yeah floorboards. that's just a lot of effort i'm not for that life at all no i'm high maintenance and some may say including me that i'm slightly so psycho like yeah fully i'll hold my hands up I'm, i'm happy to admit that yeah she is I wouldn't go to those levels. It's, it's just a step too far, man. Although he did this, he was a prick. Like, he was a prick. And I, I wish I had the energy within me to go through with that shit. But I'd much rather just be like, you're a prick. Yeah, I would just, <laughs> I'll just end it, man. Life's I, I, might, I might spread a bit of a rumour. That I'm ruining their life a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Life's too short to be taking seams out of a curtain and then sewing them back up again, man. Um, Although, with my cross stitching skills right now, anything's possible. You could fly (laughs) through sewing up a seam again. Watch this space. I'm waiting for my cotton at the mini. I'm waiting for my colours to come so I can start Elsa. So excited! I need I need bigger material to start my um Avengers one. I thought you've already started it. You sent me a line. Yeah, but then I realised that my um material I'd started it on weren't big enough. <laughs> okay. I've got to get bigger material, but yeah. Oh, Florida man. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got distracted by batshit crazy people. So um, this I've never seen a little bit of us. In a Florida man headline, more in my life. <laughs> in my fucking life. Right, go for it. If ever we're going to make a Florida man headline, it's going to be Florida man suspected of using private plane to draw a giant penis on radar. <laughs> I was debating whether to use that one or the shitting one. <laughs> No joke, man, no joke. It's literally just above the shitting one. I love the photo of the fight plan. Yeah. It's, it's a proper dick and balls. It's fantastic. Gonna... That was good, man. I quite like that. It's probably... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. Goodness. Everybody, we thank you for listening. Um, Thanks for putting up with us. We... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, do, we do appreciate it, and yeah, we do waffle. But hey, man, I've been having a lot of people feeding back to me that it's all good and they're enjoying it. Some past people who I travelled with. So if you're listening to this, I love you and I miss you. Past people I've worked with, love you and I miss you. Past people we've met in clubs, we love you and we miss you. Oh, we do. Oh, <laughs> we thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. Um, are you shout out i want to give a shout out to my um i'd like to welcome to our podcast john jj my xbox french he was like i just started listening to your first episode and i was like oh, honestly don't at me i genuinely was like don't at me i was like you've listened to the first one it's shit now back then was we even worse and he was like so unless you're gonna start turning around and being like some guy i play xbox with is a proper dick it's all right and i was like yeah that's the pure content so some guy I play Xbox with is such a dick <laughs> that's just just out there for JJ I'm glad um, you put that background because I had no idea what the fuck <laughs> you were talking about um I don't know yeah that, that's all I've got I've got some asshole I play Xbox with that's all okay. I've brought to the podcast so far so, 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 so far so far <laughs>
that's fine um but no we hope you're all enjoying it <laughs> hope you're all staying safe hope you're having fun good days good weeks um wear a mask wash your hands listen get to your Dr. vaccine Emma. get your vaccine if you can get your vaccine um yeah we love you all we thank you all and we will see you all same time next week bye bye i fucking love that